You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition Podcast, Episode 006. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter. Hello, Kelly Botter here. Welcome to God the MBA podcast. Today, you are in for another treat. Our guest today is Roger Edwards. Roger is an experienced marketing professional helping business with their marketing strategy, including content and social media. He has an extensive track record in the big corporate world and was the marketing director of several UK financial services brands before setting up his own consultancy. He now uses his expertise to guide his clients in designing engagement campaigns. Roger is also known as a prolific content creator, a speaker, and passionate about keeping marketing simple. And today's our topic is the heart of the press about how business can use Instagram and Snapchat stories to engage, serve, and convert your audience to become not just loyal fans, but customers. A side note, Roger and I initially recorded this episode about five days before Instagram came out with a story feature. We were talking about Snapchat strategies and then it happened. So both Roger and I had the same thoughts about how can we make the content even more valuable for you. So Roger reached out just before I did. We got together again and re-recorded the whole thing. This time, we are showing you much more than just these two platforms, but the essential skill for you to conquer the social media in general. Curious? You should be. Let's now check with Roger. Hello, Roger. It's so happy to have you here. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Good. Thank you. And yourself? Fantastic. I'm in Scotland. I'm in Edinburgh. It's blazing hot outside. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. And I am feeling absolutely amazing. Well, especially Team GB is winning well this year, isn't it? Isn't it? Incredible. I was just watching the news before and we've already broken the target in the number of medals that, uh, that GB wanted to win. But just watching the passion and the dedication of all those athletes it's just it's just incredible it's a great it's a great time to be part of team gb and yeah that, i know that rhymed as well <laughs> <laughs> my kids almost think that uh, i'm british now because i always say go team gb go uh must be because i have not all these nice friends from uk must be it's it's amazing. It's it's really good. I mean, I'm not a massive sports fan, Kelly. I have to say, I'll watch tennis. I'll watch Wimbledon. I might watch the odd 
game of golf. I'm not majorly into football, but the Olympics, you just can't help but being sucked into it, can you? It's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. And today, actually, we are not talking about sports. Just mm-hmm. you guys figured. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I first met Roger. I have to say, met you and put a quotation on it. Actually, <laughs> it's in Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah, and then it really got me curious because first of all, he did a fantastic job, and secondly, because he's not that young. <laughs> whoops, whoops. <laughs> uh, people, let's clarify that because in my kids, their definition: when you are over thirty, you are old. Yes. Okay? So, Roger, how old are you? You are thirty-one, right? I am. I'm. I'm actually thirty for about the twentieth time. So ah. that it's some fifty. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger, if you can share with us that where you're from, a little bit your background, and by the way, his background. Let's listen to this, <laughs> and then you guys will all appreciate why he's so good at social media. Really. Okay, Kelly. I am. I live in Edinburgh, I live in Edinburgh in Scotland, but actually I'm originally from a seaside town in the north of England called Blackpool. It's a quite a famous seaside um, resort, lots of roller coasters, lots of, uh, lots of fun things to do. But uh, various things happened to me. I went to university, I got various jobs, I traveled around the United Kingdom. And about 25 years ago, a company that I was working for decided to relocate me to Edinburgh. So I've been in Edinburgh for 25 years. That's where I live now. I, I genuinely can't conceive of living anywhere else. It's just such a great place to be. Lots of history, a beautiful city. The weather's not too bad most of the time. And it's just, I just, I just love Edinburgh. And as I say, I just can't think of, of living anywhere else, although I do travel all over the world. And I've performed various marketing roles, probably for that amount of time for that 25-year period. And some of those marketing roles have been quite senior. So I've been in charge of marketing strategy. I've been in charge of marketing communications. And more latterly, I've been in charge of the development of digital and the development of social media. And I think that it's probably since around about 2006, 2007, when I first got into Twitter, when Twitter first arrived, and I'm thinking, what on earth is this? that I started getting very interested in this developing technology. And I started to realize quite early how great it was for engaging with customers. And the reality is, Kelly, that the industry that I was working in, the UK financial services industry, unfortunately, isn't renowned for being very engaging. Um, Its marketing tends to be very traditional. It does quite old-fashioned things like banner advertising and billboard advertising and and even TV advertising, which some would argue is still relevant. Others would argue that it's uh, a waste of time. And I was pushing a lot into this social media space and started to think more about content marketing and the sort of useful material that the company could produce. And as it turned out, because financial services is a little bit slow, the company decided that that really wasn't the direction they wanted to go with. They were quite happy doing all that old traditional stuff. So the opportune moment came for me to decide to leave and set up my own business so that I could actually work with people who were interested in developing social media, developing technology, developing content marketing, and and developing digital marketing with all these wonderful, wonderful internet tools that we've got available to ourselves these days. Okay. 
That's wonderful. You know, I was speechless because I was, <laughs> I was thinking that Roger actually want to go on to say about the Snapchat. So, so Roger, but really, why Snapchat? And how on the earth that you did so well in the Snapchat? I think the thing is that, as I say, I started early on with Twitter. And you know what it's like, Kelly, when marketing people get hold of new technology, very often they ruin it. Now, I didn't invent that phrase. I think it was actually Gary Vaynerchuk that says that marketeers always ruin new applications. And I think when Twitter first started, the great thing about Twitter was that it was a conversation between people. It was an engagement. You know, you would meet somebody, you would ask them how they are, you'd ask them where they lived, you'd ask them about what they've been doing. They might share articles and pictures with you. It didn't feel as if you were having a sales conversation or you were promoting yourself or indeed they were selling something to you or they were promoting something to you. And then, of course, the marketeers come along and it's all about sell, sell, sell. And I think, unfortunately, that that tends to become all subsuming in the, in those spaces, and sometimes it can get very difficult to get back to those engagement conversations that Twitter and other social media platforms are all about. But I've always had this in my mind that we should never forget that social media is social media, and it's not selling media. And I've been very careful although I do break the rules sometimes and sometimes inadvertently, but I've always been very particular to keep it social. And then, of course, Snapchat came along, and a lot of people said, this is the ultimate social media platform. And I think I was probably a bit like everybody, Kelly, probably like yourself as well. When I first saw Snapchat and I heard about it, I thought, this is for children. This is for youngsters. (laughs) This is for teenagers. But I'm a marketeer and I feel duty bound to download new applications and give them a try. And, you know, anything, everything that comes along, I'll give it a try. I gave Meerkat a try, Periscope, Blab, you know, Anchor. And of course, what I did is I downloaded Snapchat, became very confused about the ups and downs and swipe up, swipe down, swipe left, like whatever it was. Goodness gracious, what on earth is going on here? I really don't understand this. And actually, Kelly, after a little while, I deleted it. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one then. Yeah, I know. And and then probably about three months later, somebody started going on about Snapchat again. So I downloaded it again and I probably gave it a little bit more of a chance. I, I did learn what the swipe up was and what the swipe across was, etc. I followed a few people, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I probably even posted a few snaps of me doing silly things with my cats or sitting out in the garden. Actually, I still do that sort of thing. But anyway, <laughs> and uh but I still didn't really get it. I still didn't really get it. So yeah, I deleted it again. And then it was at the beginning of this year, 2016, that a lot of high-profile American marketeers started talking about Snapchat again. The aforementioned Gary Vaynerchuk said, and he probably has been saying for a long time, you need to be on Snapchat. If you're a business, you need to be on Snapchat. And then, of course, Chris Ducker and you and I, Kelly, are members of Chris Ducker's Youpreneur community. He started saying Snapchat is where it's at. Get somebody to teach you how to use it. You know, if you've got a teenage daughter or teenage son, ask them to sit down and give you a Snapchat tutorial, learn how to use it, and start to use it for your business. So, of course, I thought, okay, let's do this. So, 
got my son to show me the basics, how to post a snap properly, how to take some video, etc., etc. But I still probably wasn't getting it. And then it was the story. It was the story that caught my attention. And again, I think it was either Gary Vaynerchuk or Chris Ducker or somebody like that that pointed me in the direction of the story. And then that was almost like the, the epiphany moment, the eureka mo- moment. That's when you think this is the thing that businesses can really make the most of. And just for those people who are listening to this who, who probably perhaps don't know what a story is in Snapchat, and, and we'll come on later to talk about Instagram who've nicked the idea, a story is effectively a collection of pictures and little videos all merged together into one stream. And so you could take a photograph of yourself sat in the garden or you could take a photograph of yourself in front of your microphone like we're doing here. And then you could add a video of yourself doing something later on or you could add a video of yourself in town. And those would all merge together into what they call a story. And each of those pictures and each of those videos can last on screen for about 10 seconds. So you can merge as many of these ones together as you can. It could be just 10 and it could last a little, little over a minute or it could be a whole series of stuff. And people can watch those stories for up to 24 hours and then they disappear initially forever. Now you can actually save them to something called memories, but that's a completely different story. And the beauty of those stories is that all of a sudden – You can open up your business, you can open up your personality, you can open up the fact that you're human and not just a business or not just a brand, and you can engage potential customers and let them see into your world. And as you know, Kelly, when people see the real you, when the people see the face behind the business, the face behind the brand, they start to like you and then they'll start to engage with you and ultimately if they start to trust you, that's when you might be able to start to do business with them. And that's why I thought the story was just an amazing thing for business. The penny dropped. And I think the penny dropped with quite a lot of people. And, and I know you've been through that um, process as well. And it's starting to give people an insight into what you do. And for me, that's when I realized that Snapchat wasn't just for for kids and for teenagers. And of course, it still is. And let's face it, it probably still always will be a major tool for them until the next (laughs) big tool for uh, teenagers and kids comes along. But for businesses, for me, it was that storytelling functionality that really put the um, clincher on it for me, that Snapchat was something to have a look at. And it's something that after that, I became very excited about and started using it day to day and actually i remember you shared with me when we met in london in the workshop you indeed you know you have a clients from because the people they they were watching your snaps right that's correct yeah now again i think what i started to do was to tell the story almost like behind the scenes of my business now i'm a marketing guy uh, i do content marketing i do social media now i consult for people and all i was doing is i was talking into my story about complicated language and what i call bloat now a lot of marketing these days for whatever reason tends to be very bloated, I think, and people use lots of passive language, lots of big words, lots of jargon, lots of management speak, lots of stuff that the customer just really isn't interested in and possibly doesn't even understand. And all I did in my Snapchat story was say to people, here are a 
whatever it was, five tips on how you can cut down on all of this bloated stuff in your marketing copy. And I'll say things like use active sentences instead of passive sentences and, and cut out adjectives and cut out adverbs and that sort of thing. And that was my Snapchat story for the day. And as a result of that, somebody who'd watched the story got in touch and said, we really like how you put that across and how you um, explained how to make it simple. Can we send you over a fairly sizable document and can you have a look at it for us? And so they did. And they were very happy that I was able to edit it for them and, and actually cut out quite a lot of the stuff. And they paid me for it, which was fantastic. So that was one example. And then after that, I realized there was potential here. And you can then start engaging with people so the great thing about Snapchat is that not only can you post the stories that we've already talked about, you can send people text messages. Or if you want, you can send people audio messages or even video messages. And again, it's going back to what I said right from the early days of Twitter. As long as you engage with them and have a conversation with them, rather than just texting them saying, hey, buy my stuff. Hey, use my um, marketing simple tools. Let me edit a brochure for you. Just have a conversation with them, like you might be meeting them in a coffee shop or you might be meeting in the pub and, and talk about everything that you would normally talk about when you go to the pub with somebody or when you go for a coffee. You know, how the day's been, you know, what's happening at home, what's happening in the business, general stuff. Get them to like you first and then have the business conversations later. And that's what I started doing, Kelly, and I started engaging with people and as a result of that and as because people were watching the stories and I continued to do the same sort of thing, people started to ask me for other ideas and, and other marketing services that I offer. So I, I think that it was a direct result of telling those stories and then engaging with people that led to business coming to me through Snapchat. Yeah, I think I love how you say that. It's just like we sometimes forget about online, you know, the social media. You have to imagine that you walk into a coffee shop, as you say, mm. or... Well, British, you guys don't walk to a coffee shop. You walk to a pub, right? Yes. <laughs> um, you will not just go into a pub and right away say, maybe even before you order a beer, and then you say, hey, look, at it. this is my brochure, buy my stuff. We will never do that in person. But somehow, you know, a lot of people, they just when they're online, they, they kind of forget about that. They just, they just started with pitch. Yeah, we, we think it's okay, don't we, on social media to just to start, Selling stuff to people. I mean, one of the most annoying things that happens on Twitter and, and indeed any social media platform is imagine you, you see somebody on Twitter and they post something really interesting and you think, okay, I'm going to follow that person. So you click the follow button and immediately they send you an automated direct message that says, thanks for following me, buy my stuff. And I usually tend to unfollow those people straight away because that's not engagement. You know, okay, I know people are busy. But if they did have to use a, an automated message, maybe they could just say, thanks for following me, looking forward to having a chat with you. And then maybe later on when they're not as busy, they could send, thanks for following, where are you from? I'm from Edinburgh, where are you from? I'm from Berlin, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the conversation progresses like that. And eventually, once we get to know each other, maybe it would be okay for them to say, buy my stuff. But not as soon as I followed them. That, that's, that's almost rude. Yeah, I know. The other day was quite uh, incredible, annoying. I saw somebody follow me on Twitter, and then that person added me on the to sell list. Mm -hmm. I literally returned and said, 
to <laughs> sell. <laughs> and then because I saw that, I was about to go to make sure I block that person away from my feet. Mm-hmm. Well, he was faster because right away I have a message to say he tried to sell me something. I couldn't believe that. I just don't know why people still do that. Well, obviously people, they still think that works. You, you would have thought you would have at least had the sense to make it a private list so it wouldn't have shown up in your feed as the sales. Oh, my goodness. That, that is just a, that's a rookie error, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> rookie and rude error, I would say. <laughs> rookie and rude error. Definitely, definitely. So, Roger, Instagram. Instagram now have story as well. I know, I know. And you know, it's interesting, Kelly, because what the listeners might not know is that we recorded an earlier version of this podcast a few weeks ago. <laughs> and we talked all about stories and how, to, and how Snapchat was great and how you could use Snapchat for business. And then, of course, Instagram came along and totally copied the story function of Snapchat. And actually, whilst a lot of the things that we talked about on the last on, on take one, if you want to call it take one, are completely relevant, it does really change things quite a lot. And it was literally about, about five days after we recorded the original um, version of the podcast, wasn't it, that Instagram quite literally and quite unashamedly launched an almost carbon copy of the Snapchat story functionality. So... You can knit pictures together, you can knit 10 seconds of um, video, you can put them all together with overlays of text, overlays of graphics, overlays of emojis, overlays of whatever you want, and create a story within Instagram. Exactly the same functionality as Snapchat. And the world says, oh, it's a total and utter copy. And I suppose if you actually think about it, there's probably something there's probably something a little bit political going on here. I think Mark Zuckerberg wanted to buy Snapchat a few years ago for an incredibly frightening amount of money. Billions of dollars have been quoted, I think. And Snapchat said, no way, Jose, we're not selling out to you. So Zuckerberg probably said to his guys, they won't sell to us, so let's just copy what they're doing. And, and okay, that's, just, that's just what they've disclaimer, done. this is a Roger's thought. <laughs> 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 we, we did not interview Mark, so we don't know. No, 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 no. But uh, I'm sure he's listening to this podcast now and nodding vehemently in agreement. Um, But the fact is, you can't put a trademark on a story. And effectively, that's why anybody in reality would be able to replicate that sort of functionality. So all of a sudden, we now have another platform which offers exactly the same sort of functionality, the ability to tell those stories in, in a different package. Now, I think in our original conversation, um, Kelly, you were asking me ideas as to how to convince businesses that Snapchat was a good vehicle for using the stories and to use that to engage with their, um, their customers. But in the back of my mind, there was always going to be that issue that however convincing you were on how powerful stories could be, there would always be that little voice in the background saying to those businesses, but Snapchat's still about children. Snapchat's only for the 18 to 25-year-olds. That's not our demographic. We shouldn't be involved in that. We don't need to get involved. There would always have been that hurdle. And if I wanted, for example, to try to encourage my clients to use Snapchat, I would have to get them over that hurdle. Now, I believe that with Instagram... That hurdle doesn't exist 
because Instagram has been around for a long time. A lot of businesses are using Instagram very successful, very successfully just posting pictures and comments and this, that and the other. And all of a sudden they've got exactly the same storytelling functionality made available to them. They can immediately be confident that the same people who are enjoying and interacting with them and enjoying the pictures that they post and their brand images and their holiday images or whatever it is will still interact with and love the stories that they're going to put on their Instagram accounts as opposed to them having to worry about whether are we really targeting the right people and is Snapchat really something that we we should invest in? And can we ever get over that nagging doubt that it's all about kids? Now, I was convinced all along that putting and investing time into Snapchat would bring you business. And I'm living proof and other people are living proof that that can happen. But I think there would always have been that hurdle. Now you've got a platform which hasn't got that stigma. It's a, the Snapchat stigma, I'd, I'll call it. The Snapchat stigma doesn't exist with Instagram, which means that businesses could go straight in there. And then the only thing they need to do is to learn the art of storytelling. And that, I guess, is the thing that is the common denominator between the two. To be successful on Snapchat stories and to be successful on Instagram stories, you're going to have to start to learn a few tricks on how to be a good storyteller. Which we're going to talk about. We're going to ask Roger to share some tips here because he really mastered that since in Snapchat. But I just want to point out to that you out there listening. So you see, now we re-record this episode <laughs> because of Instagram come on the story. And I plan to release this episode, totally move to right away next Monday. Because <laughs> our uh, episodes and every Monday we release at uh, 6 o'clock Easter Standard Time. And just in case that another platform, they want to release whatever story they want to release. Well, you guys wait, okay? Just wait till after next <laughs> Monday, would you? <laughs> You, that, that that means we've still got about six days to go, five days to go, Kelly. Okay, so Roger. What might happen? Twitter <laughs> might do something tomorrow. We might have to re-record take three on Friday. <laughs> okay, if that <laughs> if that does happen, I don't know. Well, we, Roger, we just have to keep talking. Then. I think that actually, in my head now, our conversation, the most important part of our conversation, it probably comes back to is not the platform itself that matters it's yeah. the storytelling and the engagement and the ability to engage with your customers and create a relationship with your customers whether it's on snapchat and i still love some of the communication elements of snapchat mm -hmm. the fact you can text people audio them video them you know on instagram at the moment you can only text somebody a message i'm sure that they'll catch up with snapchat and you'll be able to do all the different types of messaging but i think for a business point of view this stories are still the most powerful things and shall, shall i tell you a couple of things that i think are really important yeah yeah exactly that's actually what i want to say it's actually if you guys listen to now you see the morale of the whole thing is yeah the technology can change right the platform they can change that we cannot control that however fundamentally that if your own skill sets in the storytelling in the how to create that compelling message that will set you apart and stand out so yeah please roger tell us a couple of uh, tips 
Okay, the things that really stood out for me on both Snapchat stories and Instagram stories, let's just call it stories full stop now, is, is a couple of things. The first, the first thing almost goes back to what I was saying before about bloated marketing copy and bloated stuff is you've only got 10 seconds. You've only got 10 seconds on screen. Now, okay, you can add a load of things together, and some people do. Some people record about 100 10-second things, and I do wonder whether they shouldn't just go away and do a webinar. I think that gives you a massive advantage. I call it the, the simplicity of brevity or the brevity of simplicity, whichever way you want to go. If you can keep it simple and keep it short, you can perhaps come up with a much more powerful message. So use those 10 seconds. Use them to their maximum advantage. Don't think you've got to split a half-hour talk into 300 10-second snippets. Think how you can speak and put your idea across really succinctly, really simply, and really easily. And the things that I really like about storytelling, the things that I've been doing, is giving people a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what I do in my business. So, for example, one of the Snapchat stories, and I still come back to this, and the Instagram stories, is showing people how I do podcasts. So I might show them how I set the microphone up, the mixing desk, etc., etc., and people like to see that sort of thing. They like to see what's going on behind the scenes. If you're, a, if you're a wine merchant, you might take them into the cooler and show them the white wines. Or you might show them some red wine and you might taste it and tell them this one tastes of blackberries, this one tastes of blueberries, whatever it is. Give people a feel for what you're doing. If you're a car mechanic, show them how to strip an engine. If you're an airline pilot, show them what all the buttons do. The possibilities are endless, but the great thing is, is you're giving people a look behind the scenes. And again, that gives people an insight. It allows them to create a relationship with you, it allows them to see that you're a real person behind the business. And I think that is so important. The second thing you can do as a storytelling art is to create a bit of suspense and sort of draw people in. And it's a bit like if you write a blog, you'll probably want to do a really attention-grabbing headline. And the idea of the attention-grabbing headline is to suck them into the article. Well, if you were to do your first, I don't know what, I have to call it a snap because I don't think an Insta, Instagram have actually come up with a word for an individual portion, an Insta or an Insta snap. We'll call it an Insta snap. So the first Insta snap could be, today I'm going to take you behind the scenes of my business and I'm going to show you three things that will really benefit you and your business. So come back and I'll take you through them one, two, three. So that immediately makes somebody think, oh, there are three things, and I've got to make sure that I keep watching. And then you might post one of those things, and now I don't know, you might have a business meeting or something you have to go to, so you'll say at the end of that, so that was tip number one, or that was behind the scenes number one, and if you come back very shortly, I'll show you tip number two. And that creates that expectation. And of course, people know that you're only going to, your story's only going to be there for 24 hours, so they're going to want to come back and see part two and part three and part however many parts it is. But remember, keep each of the parts simple and succinct. And the other thing you can do is to involve people with what's going on. So you can ask people questions, especially if you're using the video function, of course. Now, a good example of this is that I did an ebook on business writing tips and within my Snapchat story at the time, I showed people three potential covers for the business book. And I just asked people, you snap me back, A, B, or C, which of the covers do you like best? 
And a surprising number of people very kindly took the time to snap me back and say they preferred A, B or C. And I chose the one that got the most votes. And that is real interaction. It, it's almost a, it's a gamification in a way, isn't it, in some respects? You, you get people interacting with you. Just ask them to snap you back and tell them what's on their mind today. Ask them to snap you back or Instagram you back and say what they've been doing, what challenges they've been facing. Ask them what they thought of the latest episode of Game of Thrones. It's involvement. So those are the really, really the three things that I would recommend people think about when putting together stories. Create that suspense. Make people have a reason to keep watching. Give them that behind-the-scenes insight into you as a person, the person behind the brand. Maybe show them a little bit of your personal life. You know, some people might think that's stepping a little bit too far. I don't show people pictures of my um, wife and my son, but I do show people pictures and videos of my cats. But that's, that's what I've agreed with my family. But your family might want you to go further. It's up to you. But you can give people an insight into who you are, real person. And once you get that, the level of engagement really starts to just skyrocket. Yeah, that's so valuable, Roger. It's, um, people really want to do business with people. Absolutely. Right. And, and nowadays, you know, the consumer or clients or, you know, whatever we call them, that they are all a whole lot more, you know, educated, right? Mm-hmm. And we literally are compete with, you know, not just the competitors, I would say. It's more like attention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can choose to see the cute babies and cute dog and cute cats video rather than ours. So, yeah, thank you so much. That was really fantastic tips right there. So, uh, Roger, do you have some moments of funny moments or, or embarrassed moments during this journey? I do quite a lot of public speaking, Kelly. I do love standing up on a stage and talking. And, and of course, all this social media stuff now gives me a lot more stuff to talk about and, and people do want to hear about it. But quite a few years ago, I was down in London with a load of colleagues and I was doing a speech at a conference in the morning, the speech I was doing was about 9.30. Now, of course, we all traveled down the night before because you know what it's like if you, um, if you rely on airlines or you rely on trains, there's always going to be a delay. So I would always go down the night before for, a, for an event like that. But of course, my colleagues, we arrived about 10 o'clock at night. My colleagues wanted to go to the bar and have a few beers and a few glasses of wine. But I was feeling extremely good. And I said, no, no, I've got to be absolutely on the top of my game tomorrow. It's a very important speech. I've got to just be perfect. So I don't want to have a drink. I don't want to um, just create a, a problem for myself in the morning. So I'm going to bed now. So, of course, they gave me a load of um, abuse for this. But I was, <laughs> I was adamant. I went straight up to bed. Anyway, this is a little bit of an admission, but even when I'm away, I tend not to sleep with anything on. Now, okay. That might be a bit shocking for people who are listening to this, but I, I tend not to wear anything when I'm asleep. Anyway, it was about one o'clock in the morning and the fire alarm went off in the hotel. Uh-oh. And, you know, the klaxons going off and the voice saying, please leave by the immediate emergency exit. Don't stop to pick up any of your uh, valuables, etc. So I immediately looked round the room and it was dark and I didn't know what to do. So all I could see was my overcoat on the table 
on the side and I grabbed the overcoat and just put it on over my head and ran down about 15 flights of the fire escape down to the assembly point. And of course, the fire marshal was there, ticked our names off and let us back in eventually. Now, what I should have said is that part of the hotel I was sleeping in was in a different segment of the hotel to where the bar was. So the bar wasn't affected by this fire alarm. So I decided I would walk back through the bar. And lo and behold, my colleagues were still in the bar at one in the morning. And I'd been asleep for three hours before the fire alarm walked off. And of course, I walked into the bar wearing an overcoat up to my knees, open at the shirt, hairy chest on display, and nothing else. And they were looking, they were a little bit drunk by this time. And they looked at me and I thought, no, I'm just going to go straight back to bed. (laughs) Okay, I think yours is even better than Chris (laughs) Ducker's. What I should have done in hindsight, Kelly, and I really think I should have done now, I should have said, I'm actually going to stay for a beer. I don't (laughs) care. I'm staying for a beer. And I would have sat in the bar in my, I would have had to have been very careful how I crossed my legs, but I would, I should have stayed for a beer. But no, I still, I was still being very, very good and very, very, very saintly, and I did still go straight back up to bed. I don't know why that all the speakers when I ask them have some embarrassed moment. I should say all the VIP or influencer experts that if they speak, they all have similar story about something with their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I have the, the, there was another time when I was staying in a hotel, and again the same thing. I tend to uh, I tend to sleep with nothing on, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I wanted to go to the um, the bathroom, and because it was dark, my brain was trying to trace the route to the bathroom in my own home as opposed to in the hotel room. So I went the wrong way and actually walked out into the corridor of the hotel. And before I realized what had happened, the door to my hotel room slammed behind me. And of course, I was stood in the hotel corridor completely naked, completely naked. And of course, I couldn't get back into the room because the room was closed and the key was inside the room. So I was terrified. What do you do? So I wandered around the floor. I mean, this again was in the middle of the night. So fortunately, there was nobody about. But I wandered up and down the corridor. I think I even might have tried to bash the door down with my shoulder. But that wasn't a very good idea either. And finally, I found a linen cupboard. And it was full of towels and full of sheets. And I decided to take um, one of the sheets, wrapped myself in a sheet, and I went down to reception and very sheepishly asked the concierge man to come upstairs with me and let me into my room. So that was probably even more embarrassing than the first story I told you. <laughs> Roger, you do know that most of hotel they have a security camera. Yeah, probably. I'm prob- <laughs> they were probably having a right good laugh at me on the CCTV. At, oh, look at this guy. He's trying to bash his door down and he's got no clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear, no. Oh Just dear. About. <laughs> okay, how we just transit to a last serious question? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I hope that this brings some laughter to you guys listening there. And that, this is what it's all about. The reason why I always ask this question is I want you guys to know that it doesn't matter how much and how high that you see that, you know, the, the people that achieved. We are just a human, you mm. know. Uh, we yeah. are not immune to any negativity or such as a fire alarm in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger, that, you know, so far in your 50s, 
know, <laughs> I will be soon 52. So uh, this journey, can you share with us maybe, I'm sure it's many, but one of those moments, the godly MBA moments that you, you found out that, you know, what you are doing is not just transaction, not just business. Yeah, there are two little stories I want to tell, Kelly. One from when I was still working for a big corporate company and one from more recently when I was working on my own for people as a consultant. Now, as I said, I, I worked for a long time as a marketing director within the financial services industry. And as you know, the financial services industry, particularly in the United Kingdom, doesn't have a particularly good reputation with the public. Um, a lot of financial services scandals, insurance claims being turned down, mis-selling scandals, this, that, and the other. So the public have a very low regard for financial services. And there was one day I was, I was in the office and the receptionist called me through and said, Roger, we've got a gentleman in reception with his son who wants to speak to the marketing director about a claim that they've put in. Now, my immediate reaction to this was, oh my goodness, we've done something bad and this guy's here to complain. I mean, that, that's bad already, isn't it? That, that was my immediate reaction. But I went down to reception expecting something that I would have to respond to to sort of rescue the company out of the situation. But what I found when I got to reception was the gentleman stood there with his son and I immediately noticed that his son was wearing a Manchester United football strip. Now, this was doubly shocking because, of course, I was based in Edinburgh and you don't expect to see people wearing Manchester United football strips in Edinburgh. So the gentleman said, um, I, I just want to have a chat with you. Is it OK? And I said, of course it is. Let, let, let's go into one of the private offices behind reception. And he sat down and, and his son sat down. He told me his story. And he said, this is my son. I can't remember his name. doesn't matter. This is my son. And about... Ten years ago, we took out a policy with you, a life insurance policy, which also had something called critical illness cover on it. And he said, at the time, I didn't think I should buy this. It was expensive. I didn't really think we needed it. But about a year ago, unfortunately, my wife, his mother, was diagnosed with cancer. And we put a claim into your company and you paid out pretty much straight away. And the figure was about £250,000, a lot of money. And that cleared our mortgage and it made us financially very secure. But unfortunately, the cancer was very malignant and very aggressive. And my wife sadly died recently. And of course, I was really quite upset by this point because it's obviously a hugely emotional um, time for this gentleman. And he said, there's nothing in this world can replace his mother and can replace my wife. But what you've done for us has helped, and I'll tell you why. He said, that money that you paid us has allowed me to take time off work, and my son is a real big football fan. And I said to my son that I'm going to take you to all the major league football grounds in the United Kingdom. And that's what he did. They took six he took six weeks off work. They started in Exeter, which is right down in the south of England, went to Exeter St. David's and they zigzagged their way all the way up the country, Kelly, to every single major league football ground. So Manchester United, Leeds, everything. And they arrived in Edinburgh after this journey and they realized that the insurance company that paid them that money was based there. And he said, I wanted to come in and thank you for what you did. 
you know, nothing can replace my wife or his mother, but you've really helped. Now, by this time, Kelly, I had a real lump in my throat and mm. I was in tears. And then he pulled a huge box of chocolates out of his bag and handed it over. And that was me. I just started streaming and I was, I was crying. And a lot of people don't like financial services, but those are the sort of moments when you realize that it does help. And that really created a resolve in me to try very, very hard to promote at the time the company that I was working for and try to elevate them above that level of distrust that exists in the United Kingdom. The second example is a bit of a quicker one in that I was recently at a conference. You've heard of it as well, Kelly. It's the Content Marketing Academy conference in Edinburgh 2016. One of the speakers was a lady called Anne Handley. And she was a very passionate speaker and said that if you are going to stand out in your marketing in 2016, you've got to be bigger, you've got to be braver, and you've got to be bolder. The Monday after that conference, one of my clients, one of the people that I've been working with, came out with an advert and an infographic for their own business using the example of The Walking Dead to talk about financial services and this advert was bigger and it was bolder and it was braver than quite a lot of things that I've seen in the financial services industry for a long, long time, if ever. And it just made me feel so proud that a client that I've been talking to felt empowered enough to be bigger and to be bolder and to be braver and it actually worked. And it was about The Walking Dead and it stood out and I, that was just another moment where I thought, you know, if you prepared to just go a little bit further to stand out then you know you really will change your customers lives maybe even the world exactly wow you know that reminded me both stories reminded me a while back there was a mentor told me that Kelly if you are truly addicted to your client's success then you shall be shamelessly to pitch because you, you know, is based on we genuinely believe that for those of you out there listening, that your service, your product, whatever you offer is good. Yeah. And you know, people gonna spend money anyway. Mm -hmm. Then if you believe that yours is good, then it will help people solve the problem, then you should be shamelessly to market and to pitch. Certainly, absolutely right. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Roger. And I mean, I love to talk to you, but I just hope that I don't have to talk to you because <laughs> somebody come up another story. But I think we, this time we nail it because you give us the fundamental skill set about to create the compelling stories, no matter which platform. I think that's absolutely right. And what it doesn't matter whether Twitter launches stories tomorrow or another app arrives with stories or Facebook somehow scoops the stories out of Instagram into Facebook directly, which I think is inevitable anyway. We now know that storytelling is the fundamental future of engaging marketing and creating relationships with customers and creating trust. And that is the way to do business in the digital age, I think. Yeah, and we will put all the goodies and Roger's links all in the show notes. So you guys just go to the website to check. So thank you so much, Roger. Thank you, Kelly. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I will definitely speak to you again soon, but hopefully on a completely different topic. 
I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As you can tell, Roger and I had a great time to create this episode for you. Record it twice. And he has shared so much wisdom and insights in the show. You know, while technology can change all the time, but if you can master the fundamental skill of storytelling, then it doesn't matter about the tactic or platforms. It's all about the human connection that counts. Remember, for all the information we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybarder.com forward slash 006. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time. And we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Did you enjoy the show? If yes, please share, subscribe, and give us your honest reviews on iTunes so my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Don't forget all the goodies we mentioned during the show and my free gift for you, Business Blueprint for Christian Entrepreneurs. It's at kellybother.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.